Wright gets to it. A goal for Derby County. Mark Wright, the only player to move. Half of the target. Wright setting himself. And Derby have got one back. Derby taking the lead after 14 minutes. Backing the England squad and scoring goals. Mark Wright must think it's Christmas already. Welcome on to, uh, to Tour Derby to me, Mark Wright. Um, I've had some strange podcasts before, but I think sat in the corner of a pub in Nottingham on my birthday interviewing Mark Wright's probably up there. So thank you very much for coming on, mate. Well, it'd be nice to be there sat with you having a, having a pint of Guinness as well, I tell you. <laughs> well, you're in Derby in a few weeks, aren't you? So we can have a pint then. Yeah, I'm doing some, uh, I'm going to Michalova Football Club to do a, to do a Q&A. Yeah, so it's going to be. I mean, that'd be interesting. I mean, everybody down there knows that I, I, I love my time at Duffield County. Uh, and, and to come back and see people and do things and is great. And to see the club as it is at the moment is, is really, really sad. And I hope that someone comes along and someone buys it. Have you been keeping an eye on the, the situation at Derby then? I think, yeah. Anyone who's played for, for Derby County will will have a look at it and, 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 look, and, and be really, I think we're all... You know, you become despondent. How can somebody uh, and people who are running the football club let it get to such a stage? I mean, you just can't. I mean, is it is, is that bad management? Is that mismanagement? And what, I mean, it, it's it's something of everything, isn't it? I mean, because you cannot get to a stage where you know you are. I mean, we're talking about someone said uh, it was 160 million in debt, um, which means uh, you know. Is, are people being way overpaid there? Are, are, you know what what's going on behind the scenes, and it's just for all of us who've played there and captained there. You know, it's just a sad, sad state because it's a fantastic stadium. The supporters are fantastic, and for them to be going through this, not knowing what's going to happen to the club, must be must be horrific for them because it's not it's it's not fair. Not fair on the supporters, and not not fair on the not fair on the supporters at uh, the football club either. Not in any way, shape, or form. Towards the back end of your time at Derby, there was some off-the-field problems financially and stuff. Does does that compare, or, or can you give a kind of insight into what it's like being a player when some things off the field might distract you slightly? Is it difficult? I, I think I think if you're not being paid, like some football clubs, uh, uh, when I don't know, don't think that's the case with Derby. But I think if clubs were being paid, I think it can affect you as a as a uh, as a player. Because it's affecting your family, isn't it? And so that that wouldn't wouldn't be fair. Uh, I think if you're being paid and things that you know, you just got to get on with it because you are a footballer. And if you if you can back yourself, you know that you know the likelihood is at Derby County at this moment in time that the good young kids are going to be sold on or moved on, aren't they? People whose contracts run out in the summer will be looking for uh, for new clubs, and 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 so that's that's sad. And and because they're in such a sorry state. Then who then who really is going to be attracted to come to Derby? That's the that's the sad thing. So it's a it's a massive knock on effect. And I think there are people out there. There's some people who I know that are are very very interested, you know, in in trying to help out and do what's best because it's, you know Derby's in their heart. But then all of a sudden it comes, you know, first it was sixty million, then all of a sudden another hundred million gets put on top, and you go, you know, where from? How is it happening? So does it affect you as a player? I mean, you'll listen to it and you'll you'll you think about it. And I think, and I think the players who have aspirations of moving higher, uh, it can it can affect. And I think if the, if there's if there's players who are out of contract, they'll be the agents will be trying to sort them out now. Uh, I would imagine. But you try and, I mean, when I was there, you know, you talked about the Robert Maxwell era, aren't you? And, mm. and I mean, were there real problems? I mean, there was murmurings, weren't there? But the, but mm. the, every, everything was going all right, and you know, and. Um, and then he sold me. Maybe that's why they, they maybe they, they said oh, sell me, sell him and Dino, and we'll get some money in and we'll pay off that. Maybe that that was the case. I don't know. Um, none of us really wanted to go because we all loved Arthur Cox. I mean, Arthur was was it wasn't it wasn't anybody else. And for me to go there with Roy, someone like Roy McCarron and and to be taught under him was fantastic for me. You know, as an ex half, you know, and respecting and having total respect for somebody like him. But it was all about Arthur, and we didn't think about off-field antics. It was all about keeping the boys together, going and playing your football, and getting on with getting on with the job in hand. Um, I think 
this state of affairs with Derby is way different to maybe what was happening back when you know when we were playing. But um, and it's very very sad. I, there are no things like I said. I, I know some people who have been uh, some good friends of mine who I'm in a company with. They 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 were interested, but it, it, you know, and and there's lots of people who are trying. Um, are looking at it, but when all the, uh, the expense sheets come in and on all, all the, you know, through the from, from the inland revenue, everything, and you look at how it all stacks up and, the, and how much of it is football creditors, it doesn't look good reading to a lot of people, does it? And you know, for any of us, I mean, I'd love to be involved in, in, with Derby County. Love my time there. Love to be there, um, helping. If I, if if I could help in any way, then I would help. I, I genuinely would. Um, but I just don't know what any of us can do at this moment in time. Does it make it all the more impressive the performances on the pitch? Because I went to Fulham last night, and to go there and they're, they're banging goals for fun. That they're basically walking away with the league, and we get a good away point, and we beat Bournemouth on Sunday. With the with what's going off off the pitch, the players doing that is that more impressive, or it, like you say, is it just they've got to go out and do the job still? You know, a lot of them are young lads on, in there. Right? You know, when I came down to watch um, the game against Swansea, and. Uh, and I thought first half they weren't at the races, and then second half they came back in it and looked very strong and at it and looked as if they could go on to win the game. Um, and there's a lot of good young youngsters there, and and, and you, you you know and then when you're starting your career, if you've got a lot of good youngsters and they're on a football field, they don't think about what the off-field things. What they're doing is they're trying to put their mark in football and, 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 and you know in the game. To see them and recognise them, and hopefully, if that's the case, and they're good enough, one day move up to to wherever. Um, and I was very impressed. And I think you know you're talking about uh, you, you know the, 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 Bourne, the, the Bournemouth game. You know I watched it. Very very impressive. Very good. And obviously to get a point, if you, if you take four points from from games like that, if they say four points from you know from an away game and a home game, you can win the league. Derby are actually fire at the moment, you know. And you know, and long may it continue. And I hope. I mean, listen, wouldn't it be fantastic somehow? If from now to the end of the season they weren't relegated, they got all them points back and saved themselves. I mean, that would be a, wow. That would be mm. absolutely fantastic, wouldn't it? I mm. mean, it's a, I mean that's a long road. Of course, it's a long road because you're up, you're expecting others to really do mm. really bad. But I mean, at this moment in time, for you know, big respect to all of the players and all the management there for for carrying on, doing their jobs, and getting results for the supporters. When we do this podcast, normally we'll get onto your time at Derby uh, shortly. But we always start, we always start right at the very beginning. And where did it start for you in football, and how did you break into the professional game? Do you know what I was? Um, there was a I, I went to school a place called Pierce School, and we had a fantastic school time. We got to the semi final of all England, all the schools in England, and we ah. got beat one nil by a team from Plymouth and. That still wrangles, and it still hurts me to this day because we should have won the whole thing. We were we were we were that good of school science. Um but all my mates were getting trials everywhere, and I wasn't. You know, and I stayed I stayed at school to get you know A levels, and I won't tell you what their A levels were in because otherwise, you know, people will go, "What? Why do you dread? He used to smash people and everything, and he's doing it." But it wasn't dance or anything like that. I'm like Will Smith. I live just in that little mode when we go dancing. But you know what? So I didn't have a I didn't have a a trial anywhere really. And then one weekend, Oxford United, the two centre halves for the youth team were um, they'd signed from New, up, up in from Newcastle. They were injured. They asked me would I play, and I went of course. So we I played the I played the tournament over a weekend. We won it on the Sunday. The manager then came up to me and asked me, would I go and do, would I come and see him on the Monday morning? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm at sixth ball, I'm doing my A-levels and whatever. I said, I think it's beneficial. You just come and see me. Could you, you know, bring one of your parents if you need to. I went, what's it about? He went, no, just come in. I need to have a chat with you. Well, I went in. I sat down there with my mother and then all of a sudden, and he, he turned around. It was my mother who pushed me in football. Not that I'm a mummy's boy, but I'm telling you, <laughs> mum took me everywhere. Yeah, and what happened was, he sat down and just he just turned around to me and he said, um, "I want you to sign." And I went, "Sorry?" And he went, "Yep, yeah. right. I've got twenty-five pound a week for you, and I've got thirty for your mum." And I went, I looked at my mum and said, "Mum, is that all right for you?" And she said, "Oh, of course it is, son. Yeah, like that." So I went, "Deal." So I signed a twenty. It was fifty. What? What, what was that? Uh, it was fifty-five pound a week. It was thirty to me, mum. Twenty-five to me. So I went, yeah. 
from that moment, I trained every moment that uh, that I possibly could. Whether heading balls, it was going out and working, uh, strengthening, whatever it may be. I didn't stop because I thought I'd been given a chance. And when I was given that chance, within I think it was within 18 months, off I went to Southampton. But I mean, I was taught in that 18 months by a lad, a centre half of Scotland called Roy Barry, who was who was on the management team. It took me took me under his wing and trained me every afternoon, and then I had two thugs in the first team. And I mean, when I say thugs, thugs, it was Gary Briggs and Malcolm Dock, and uh, and they were they were ruthless. And when I say ruthless, probably the most two most ruthless in draft that I that I've been with. And you know when I made my debut, Oxford United, you know what they said? One of them was suspended, and he, they came up to me and they said, right. If I go and headbutt the first one, first one, he said, the best was going to pull me, so you've got to go and do the second one. And I went, what? And he went, if you don't come off the pitch having hurt someone or got cut, so we know that you've been in a game, we'll hurt you. And I went, yeah, right. And they went, did you see us laughing? So that was my initiation into football. I mean, I was a council estate man and still am, rough and ready and, and fighting or whatever. But these two were big, big boys. And they went, you're with us now, you'll do as you're told. So from that moment on, I had to compete within, within no space of time, whether I wanted to or not. Um, and that stopped me in good stead, so it was brilliant for me. Do you think that's something that's lacking in football now? You're, you still work around the game. Joe, with the 23s structure and maybe some players not play, playing academy football and still not playing first team at 22, 23, playing senior football from 16, do you think that's something that might be lacking in the game today? Yeah, but how would you do that? I mean, there's not a lot of clubs that are going to take 16, 17, you know, 18-year-olds and put in their first team, are they? Even if it's down low, unless they're exceptional. Because, you know, if you're talking about the conference and then you're talking about the second division, you've got to, you've got to stand your ground. And if you can't stand your ground, you're not going to play. Um, do I think that sometimes the academies... I mean, listen, here's a thing for everybody out there. I see... I see Attacking coaches, free kick coaches. I see um, uh, midfield coaches, goalkeeper coaches. Even at Liverpool, they got a throwing coach. Where's where is there in football? And I and unless I'm mistaken, where's the where's the defensive coaches? Where where are they these days? I've I've not heard of one. And yet, it's a big part of the game. You know, people say that the game has changed. Okay, where is it changed? About if a ball comes in the box and you go have to go and edit and compete for it. Or someone kicked it down the field, you've got to go and compete and jump. When was the last third time you saw a centre half with a cut eye or a bust nose no. like we used to get all the time? I mean, should it have changed that much? No, because aerially it's still competitive, massively. Do I think that they do? That's why a lot of team, people are conceding a lot of goals from set plays. Yeah, I do, yeah. But it's easy to put, it's easy to stamp out because it's just teaching them a few of the basic defensive skills, I suppose. I think that's what's been one of Derby's biggest advantages this season, having two kind of not old-fashioned centre-halves, but two very good proper defenders at centre-half, Jagielka and Davis. And I think they are yeah. they are kind of the spine of the team at the minute. Yeah, they are. I mean, listen, and, and I watched him. Jagielka didn't play in the game I watched uh, against Swansea. Uh, who played? Um, Stearman. Yeah, Stearman played. And I think, they, I think, they, think then he came off, didn't he? He came off injured. Mm. But I mean, I mean, you can see that obviously Davis and Jagielka have got loads of experience, and you know, and and, and they may have to sit that little bit deeper because stands of time and pace and, and all them bits and pieces, so that they they don't have to, you know, worry about quick people going the other side of them. But the, you you know, you can accommodate for that, and you can then catch people on the break, which I think Derby are, are looking good. They're looking compact. They're looking strong, and all of a sudden, you know, they are they're getting results and that's the most important thing but when you when you build with, with experience I, I, I think it's a great thing especially when you're in trouble I was I thought this to myself last night when I was in the way and there's the old saying that a player's got a couple of yards in his head I think Jack Yelk has got about 10 yards in his head I think the, the ground he makes up against them them amazing strikers yesterday and his <coughs> brain his brain is incredible um, mm. going back to, to Oxford then how did it come about you going to Southampton fairly quickly into your, your footballing career it was it was amazing, you know. And when I was there, I was in, uh, under um, uh, I had three managers in that short space of time at Oxford. I must have seen them all off. <laughs> but, um, it was um, uh, Bill Asprey um, was was there. 
um, Ian Greaves, and then it was obviously uh, Jim Smith. And Jim Smith was just this. And Jim told me, and he it was um, he pulled me one day, and he just said, he said to me, "God rest his soul." He said, "Youngun, love you as a footballer, but you're not nasty enough at this moment in time." And Southampton have come in; they want to buy you, so. I'm selling you, and that's top flight. So you don't need to be here because I've just done it. And I went, <laughs> right, all right. He said, so get yourself down um, with Keith Cassells, go down to Laurie McMenemy, and then we want to talk to you down at Southampton. Mm-hmm. And I went, right. So I went down there, and, and, and it, it was fantastic because obviously you go down there, it, 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 you know, you go from one level to the top level, don't you? Mm-hmm. And you think, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I made my debut with a, uh, with Keegan, Shannon and Ball. I mean, what more do you want in life? And Alan Ball being an ex-ginger, you know, we built we, gingers together. We, um, he took me under his wing and taught me a lot. So that was fantastic. It was fantastic for me. I got, I have to be honest, fantastic for me to, to be down there with the likes of them players and, and seeing the standards that they set and how, what they expected on a football field rather than just going out to win to earn money. These were on about improving, about, you know, if Sunday should be playing for England, and we're talking about three Indian internationals, and all three of them talked to me. Mickey Shannon was ruthless towards me, and it was altercations all the time with me and him. But then Kevin Keegan and Alan Ball were absolutely brilliant to me. I mean, Mickey is now, but he he had turned around and say, "Yeah, it's well son. Good kicker. That guy does you know how much more? Never makes you want to go and prove it. Well, it does, doesn't it? And I, and, I, and I think I've had that throughout my career. I've just wanted to. If someone said I couldn't do something, okay, I'll prove you wrong. And I just want you to do more and more and more and just keep going and, and keep and keep proving them. And sometimes it's good, isn't it? You set yourself goals. When you achieve something, set yourself another goal and say, well, I want to go again. Um, and it was, and that's the way I've, I suppose I've lived my life, is, is that way. It was as simple as that with Jim Smith. Jim Smith took, went, you're going. Well, what even a choice? Well, as you'd expect, I've I've had a few ex Jim Smith players on, obviously with from his time at Derby, and some of the stories, and he was very straight down the line. I think you knew where he stood with him, didn't you? Well, one of the <laughs> one of the games, one of the games, we came in at half time, and uh, we were drawing, we were drawing nil nil. He picked up and said, "Who wants tea?" And, and then we went, and we, everyone was going. Oh, no, this guy, because he was so proud. He picked up the whole tray with all with it full of tea and the pot and everything, and just did that. It went, oh, cups were smashing all around us. He goes, and then it was like many expletives that I couldn't use on here about about, about not playing well enough and doing this. And then we go out and win the second half, and he comes in, he's still not happy. He said, Why do I have to do that half time? But then after that, he'd go, Come on, let's go and get a pint in the club out. Jim Smith, all over, old school management, and it, and it worked. And, it, and obviously it worked, but maybe I wasn't nasty enough for him at that time. And I'd been a young kid, and he wanted the big, he wanted the big bugs in, so he got rid of me. The time at Southampton, what was it? What was it about that side that, that gave you the success? Because it was FA Cup semi-finals and European football that you got into. So, what was it that that made that team so successful when you Together. were there? Togetherness. Yeah. Mean, if I ask loads, lots of people, in the 83-84 season, we finished second to Liverpool by three points and we lost in the semi-final of the FA Cup to Everton. We we murdered Everton. If it wasn't for Neville Southall, we'd have been in the cup final. And the other semi-final was Plymouth and Watford and we'd gone, please let us draw one of those because we ended up being bitter to disrespectful. We were flying. We were a good side. We batted Everton on the side on the t- on the day and and then we get we get beat 1-0. Um, but at Christmas time as well, Stevie Williams and myself, and I think it was David Armstrong, were suspended for two games and we lost against uh, Notts County at home and drew with Coventry away. Well, that gives you the points. Mm. Say Liverpool, you know, you go, wow. But you know what? To finish, for us to finish second and lose the semi final shows you how good a side we were. And um, and it was just togetherness. Mm. I mean, and a lot of people wouldn't be able to name the side that finished second and whatever but I mean it was Peter Shilton in goal and then we had those three centre halves it was myself Ruben Agbuna and Nicky Holmes and we had Mark Dennis who was the nastiest left back I think I've ever played with and, and when they say cycle about over over the road at, at Forest not a touch on Mark Dennis this, he was proper nasty and then it was Mick Mills 
Stevie Williams and David Armstrong, Frank Worthington, God rest his soul, Danny Wallace and Steve Moran. That was that was the side, and no one liked playing against us. We were just everyone was worked so hard, and you know Stevie Williams was underestimated as well because he was a fantastic player, a fantastic player. Should have got so many more caps, and maybe because he was outspoken, maybe he didn't get them for that reason. But if you're talking about were we a good side, yeah, we were. Honestly, we, I mean, and I, and I don't say that as a in a big-headed way at all. I'm just saying we were a very, very good side. Nobody liked playing against us. Didn't you get injured in one of those FA Cup semi-finals against Liverpool? Ironically, yeah. Postman, didn't I? Yeah. Did you, did you? Was it a clash with Shilton? Well, what it was, Shilton. Shilts was one of those didn't like coming off his line for crosses or coming off to clear the ball or nothing. I mean, you noticed that at the time of Derby. He was always smacking me in the back of the head. And and the ball got lumped through and he went, keepers. So we all stopped and he went, then he started backing off and he went, away. So we, I had to take off and Craig Johnson came in from here. But then he came and as I poked it away, I put my studs in the ground to stop myself from sliding. Johnson hit me from one side. Schultz hit me with his knee right on it and it bust three ways. Oh. But it sprang. I mean, it looked, my, my leg was like that, but then it went, Straight, it went bounce back, so it wasn't as bad a break as what it could have been, which is which was a bonus. But not only do I obviously, you know, it was right at the end of the first half, but I missed the World Cup, don't I, in Mexico, mm. which was a which was a gutter for me. Mm. Would you would you have been on the plane without that injury? I was on it. I was in the team mm. playing all the time, so I was going. Um, and then Terry Fennick got in with Terry Butcher. Um, but I was playing with Terry. Me, me and Terry were, were mainstays there, yeah, at the time. So I was absolutely gutted, you know, sitting at home with, with my leg in a pot, watching the World Cup and thinking, mm. oh, I should have been there. And losing the semi-final. But what do you do? Yeah. I'd like to have seen you on the pitch when the, the Maradona handball, but that's a, a different story. <laughs> You've been chasing him around. But the thing about it is, I'm quicker than Butch and Terry Fennick. So would I have caught him? Listen, that, that little fella was... was ooh, was some player, eh? Mm. I mean, people tried to kick him and they bounced off him. Even Big Butch said, Jesus Christ, you, you know, you, you'd, you'd whack him. And he just, he sort of just, he went like that and then sort of bounced back off. And then and off, he got, off he went again. He said he was incredible. But would I, could I have caught him? I'd like to have thought so. And, and I would have booted him as well. <laughs> it's all like, like it's what we like to hear. Right? Yeah, I shouldn't say that really, should I? I mean, but, but you know what? That's one of the things in football that you miss. You're a le- you, you were it was legal to go out and butt someone or, or kick someone and you can't now these days you can't, you can't do nothing these days no no brilliant um, <laughs> so then after around after you left Southampton it was obviously to the Super Rams how did it come about what was it that attracted you to Derby and um, and how did all that, that move come about well do you know what I was um, I loved my time at Southampton and and probably would never have moved had Laurie McManamy never gone. And then obviously Chris, uh, Chris Nickel took over and, uh, you know, Chris was a good manager and everything, but I broke my leg in the semi-final and I've been promised a new long-term contract before that semi. Um, and then I broke broke it and then he put, uh, I went in and he said, ah, it's not business-like for us to give you a contract when you've got a broken leg. And I went, okay. Mm. And then, so when I came back, I, uh, I knocked on his door, got back in the, the side, got back in the England side, knocked on his door and said, you know, that contract. And he went, mm, you've got to prove yourself to me still. And I went, wow. I've got to prove myself to you. Okay. And I'm not being disrespectful because obviously Chris has got dementia at the moment, but, if, you know, facts are facts. And I'm not being nasty about him. I'm just saying why the reason why I left that, um, Southampton is that I went, I lost respect. And that's the one and only time I've ever asked for a, or, or even left the football club, you know, didn't want to. Um, but I had no respect for him. And I went to spoke to the chairman and I told the chairman, and I said, I'm going to have to hand it, uh, you know, I tried to request and I'd like you to honour it because I've got no respect for him for what he's done. He said, well, well leave it to me. I'm going to sort that. I'll sort the contract out. I said, no, no, but I've still got to play for him, haven't I? And I said, you know, that's going to be very, very difficult. And anyway, you know, you're selling Stevie Williams, you know, he's going, this person's going, that breaking up the whole of what we were about and 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 now he's disrespecting me um 
by what he said and what he's doing. So, um, reluctantly, he had to go along with the chairman. The chairman, um, um, uh, Mr. Woodford, granted me it, and I, and I left. And obviously, I was, I, you know what, I was, there was lots of clubs um, that I spoke to. Lots. Mm. Yeah, and one in Germany as well. Um, Glasgow Rangers, um, the enemy across the road. Yeah, um, don't swear. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to swear on on, 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 you know, on this on a Zoom, on a Zoom meeting, you know, for the Derby fans. Mm-hmm. And then, then on Sheffield Wednesday, who often offered me the captaincy, uh, way more wages, way more this, way more that, and all these incentives. And I've just went. But things got to a stage where they, you know, when I, when as soon as I met Arthur and Roy, I went, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can help me. It's not, mine was never about money and about whatever. It's about who can I play for? What can I do? And how can I improve? Roy McFarlane can definitely improve me. And I loved Arthur. I had some fallouts with Arthur. I still, still speak to him now. But you know what? Absolutely brilliant. Love the man to death. There's nothing I wouldn't do for him. If he called and said, can you do this? Okay. I'd do it straight away. He's still the, he's still, he's still the boss. He's still the gaffer to, to, uh, um, he kept me and Ted McMinn in check anyway because Ted was always causing trouble. They had to bail him out so many times. And Ramro will tell you about that as well. Um, but you know, it was Arthur, Arthur and Roy. But I mean, the, the club was steeped in history for, for the centre halves as it had in the past. Um, and I just liked, I just liked what I was hearing from, from, from Arthur. And don't forget, and everyone, and I think the Derby fans, the true Derby fans will, will always remember this stuff. We finished the highest of any promoted side in the first season of getting into the top flight. And that still stands today. Wouldn't it? Doesn't it? Wow. Yeah. You know what? And with the side of the Derby fans will know it. But when I say to people, you know, Liverpool fans and my mates up here, they can't name the side. No. And yet we finished the highest of any promoted side, which was... Some feet. Let me tell you now, with the, with the names that you know that we had there, and you know what, and we had some fun times there, fun fun times, you know. And they probably won't forgive me for it, but the two, our two fullbacks at the time, they were called, you know, the Monty Python and Life Brian. Yes. Remember the two jailers. Yeah. yeah. One stuttered, and the other one went. Hmm? Well, <laughs> at a stage in Mickey Four's eye, it was unbelievable. You tell Grandma. It was the two gailers, and we used to get them all the time. Do you know the, one of the biggest things we ever did to them? We had to go to church early, early in the season, and uh, uh, before the season starts, and get blessed by you know, the by the church because Arthur wanted it all the time. And I was always having to get up and speak and do it all the time. And um, and Arthur went, I said, get, get, "Do you not think someone else should do it this time?" And he went, "Yeah, yeah, I'll leave it to you. You get them." So me and Ted put we put the two gailers up there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you now. Oh, it was, do you know, me and, and Arthur's going, where are them two? Where's them bloody two like in the church? And me and Ted have got our heads down. We're hiding because we put them up there. Because you couldn't hear, you didn't know what Mel Sage was saying. And Mickey Forsyth was, ba 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 And it was, and you know what? It was just, it was just one of those nasty tricks that we could have, we, that we did to, to the to players. And, you know, we, we, we all got, we got, we got paid back in, you know, in so many ways, but we got our, we got a big telling off from Arthur for that one, it's for sure. But you know, like you know, it was Rob Hindmarsh and Paul Blades, Garrett Williams, and um, you know, who, who played in there? It wasn't John Gregory. He had left. Who played with uh, George? But it was Gary Micklewhite and then um, Ted, and then it was uh, Dino and Paul Goddard or Mickey Half. And well, that side really didn't expect shouldn't have got anywhere, but we did. People did not like playing against us, and all of a sudden, you know, when when restrictions came in, and and we couldn't further ourselves, that's why we couldn't progress. Because obviously, uh, you know, Robert Maxwell wouldn't put it in to help us progress. In fact, he started splitting us up. How far do you think that side would have got if it had got, if Maxwell would have backed it and not split the team up, and it had gone on? It's obviously a fifth place finish and um, doing really well. You know, fifth fifth is unbelievable. For any, no matter what anybody's at, fifth position for that side, with all the sides that were in the division that side, and all the talent that was all in the club, that is a massive, massive achievement. 
And that's down to, to, to Arthur and Roy. Okay, the players go out there, but it's, it's, it was down to them to putting it, putting it, putting it down. Um, could we have gone any further? Yeah, I mean, Arthur would want him to have got other players in. Of course he would. Who, whoever he wanted to replace, I don't know. But, I mean, it would have taken maybe four or five goodens to, to, to then push again to make the squad stronger and bigger. Um, and I think, um, could we have competed again? Of course we could have competed again. You know, could we have realistically have won the league? No, mm. you, you couldn't get past Liverpool at that moment in time. You know, with the side that they had, and all the sides that were then starting to compete, and the money that was being thrown at everything was never going to happen. So, but what we were going to do, we could we could make Europe, and we could make uh, and have good cup runs, and that is that is great um, for for where we were at that moment in time with Derby. Mm. You mentioned Ted McMinn, and when I put this out, that we've got we've got you on, and I think it's well known you you good friends and we're at the time. And um, when I asked for questions for yourself, one of the most popular, and I'd say about seventy five percent of him was asking about Trevor Putney. Who says that? So, a few, quite a few people on the on Twitter. I think you I think you went sticking up for him one game, didn't you? Huh. Well, I couldn't believe it. I'm I'm near the eighteen yard box, and and then Trevor Putney's head's gone down, and Trevor Putney's just stamped on him. Ted squeals like a pig anyway. You've, you've really got to touch him. And he'll, wah! You know what he's like. Um, but then but then they were all gathered around him. And I thought, what's going on there? So I ran over. And he went, what are you going to do about it? So I... And he flew into the crowd, didn't he? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. Because he's gone right over. And then he's come back over the top. And I've got a great picture. I should have dug it out, really. Where um, I think it's Robert Rosario. Trevor Putney, and there was someone else. I don't know who it was. Is it Mark Bowen or someone? And there's three of them coming at me, <laughs> and I'm like that. I'm going, I've gone, no. But then the referee has just come over to me, and he went, Whoop, like that. And I went, you don't need to say anything. I'm, I'm going anyway. No, you'll come here. So he uh, he sent me, and um, <coughs> and he sent Putney. And um, and then he said, and Putney said, I'll sort you out. I went, I'll see you in the tunnel then. Like that. And Gordon Guthrie, God rest his soul, because I love Gordy more than anything. He was absolutely a brilliant fella. He was going, Captain, Arthur's told me to take you in now. Come on, come with me. And I'm going, Gordy, get off me. And he went, you can't do that to me. You know I love you. Get in here with me. Go straight in the dressing room, because I know what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to knock him out. So get in here. Well, poor old Guthrie was, Gordon was like, whoa, what's going on? I, I didn't know what was going on. And he was going, Arthur, he won't come. Arthur, he won't come. And Arthur just popped his head around the corner and went, get in there now. And I went, okay, Arthur. And I went round the corner and I stopped round the corner as Putney came in with his mate, with the physio as well. And he turned around and he said, and he went, I know you. What are you going to do to me? <laughs> I, won't tell you. I won't tell you the rest of it because he can't, I'm not putting it on air. Do <laughs> <laughs> you do you know stories like that? How important are people like Gordy and characters like that around football for togetherness and getting Derby that high up? Unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, listen, we had a great teacher that had uh, you know so much respect in Roy McFarland and had you know had won leagues, played for England, was an absolutely fantastic centre half, and then you've got the total respect and um, of management and the authority of Arthur Cox, and then. Down below, you've got you've got Gordon, who uh, uh, who who kept us all entertained, and had little laughs with us, and said, "Come on, let's go and do this." Come on, you know, it, absolutely brilliant. You know, you know, you can't. I mean, are there them characters in the game now? Uh, I I I don't think so. I don't think there are. I mean, I was just looking behind here. I don't know if you can see. Yeah. I was going to do this look. Oh, that's incredible. That's for Derby away at Newcastle when I scored there. Oh, brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah, I couldn't believe how high I was. I must have been on a trampoline. <laughs> but, you know, so it's all the memorabilia, all the bits and pieces. I, you know, I, I, I love Roman. Um, you know, people can take away, you can get divorced and you can get this and get that. They can't take away your memories and they can't take away the things you've done in your life. And it, you know what? That's what keeps you going. That, the, the, the the excitement that you, you go back to. And, and I had a reunion the other day with um, the Southampton players down south. Fantastic. We'll have to organise one for Derby. But it was, it was, 
it was brilliant. There was it was uh load of the ex players that Obi didn't play with, but I'm on stage with Glenn Cockrell, and there was Andy Townsend, Mark Dennis, Stevie Williams, and Steve Moran. The six of us at, at, at different stages were on the stage talking. What a fantastic night. Mm-hmm. Reminiscing, talking about things, doing things, and that's why I think it'd be good to get one from this get the team together that finished fifth and have a big night down there and just have a little chat and a talk and get to, I'd love to organise one. In fact, I might do one because the, the, the Southampton one was absolutely brilliant. Mm. Well, know? if I can help in any way, that'd be, because uh, that'd be amazing for the people of Derby. I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a shout because I've, honestly, I would love to sort something out and then maybe find out uh, um, whether it goes to the, the proceeds go to the, um, um, I mean, the Derby County ex-players must have a society where the money could go there to helping families or having days out or doing something. There must be something um, yeah. that we can get involved in. So, so I think it would be, I think it would be easy or should be easy enough to organise and pack somewhere, pack yeah. somewhere else. We must be able to. Well, the, the other week I had uh, Bobby Davidson and Phil G, and that sold about three hundred um, and packed it out. And we had an auction, and that all went to the people that had been made redundant. So. I think if you've got a few of you, you definitely get pack it out 100. percent Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, listen. I mean, we should do. We should definitely organise a big. I mean, I can. I'll phone around and we we get Ted and get you to get people like. I mean, Bladesy will still be around. The two jailers will be around. We might even get them <laughs> probably these days. Find George Williams. Uh, Dino would Dino be around? Dino would be around. We Paul Goddard would, is over in Ipswich still. You know, Gary Nickel White, we'd be able to get them all, you know. I mean, mm. really, I mean, we sell it on the on the pretense and get Arthur, get Roy mm. and say, this is the side that finished, is, is, is finished fifth, higher than any other promoter, you know, promoter side. It should be a good evening. Mm. It would be. It'd be amazing. Yeah, be a good do one. Know, we should do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll catch up about that. Leaving, leaving Derby then, was that a, a difficult thing to do? Was it out of your hands or yeah. how did it come about? Um, the year before um, Liverpool came in and Robert Maxwell and Arthur Cox I had to go down to, to Maxwell House in, in, in London you know the top of the mirror building and they said listen they've come in um, and they want you and it's a great move for you we can't deny that um, and you know they're offering great money and, and, and obviously but Robert Maxwell said that Arthur wants you for one more season what do you think? And I went, well, you know, I don't, I don't you know, you talked about Liverpool, which is absolutely fantastic. But I, I said, I said, Gaffer, what do you want me to do? And I had that much respect for him. I didn't make the decision and say, no, I want to go or I want to stay. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I'd like to stay for one more season, son. And I went, well, well, well that's it then, isn't it? We'll do one more season. He said, if you give me one more season, We'll guarantee that we'll we'll let you go at the end of next season. I said, I don't want any guarantees about it. Whatever happens, happens in life. And you know, they said they improved my contract for that, that for that year. Um, and then next season, obviously, players a lot of injuries, a lot of things went wrong, and you look at things and you go, well. And then it, it, was, it was like um, relegation, fighting it because we just didn't have the players and the to, to be able to cope. Um, and they said, right, the deal's been done. Uh, you're off. You can go to Liverpool, but we've got about five or six other people here um, that want to speak to you as well. What do you want to do? And I went, and some of them were from abroad. I mean, um, one of the ones that who 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 had spoke to me and hadn't seen what they shouldn't do was Roma to go and wow. play with was to go and play with all the year. And then there was Glasgow Rangers again, uh, Forest again. He wanted to partner me with with Des Walker and and uh, have Stuart Pearce and have three of them at England back four playing across across the road and that was never going to happen. Respect. Was never going to happen with me. Not not hoping hell. Um, Did you ever have a conversation with him with Cluffy about it? He used to he used to phone me in, on Sunday mornings. Just what say? Can we can we sign for me, son? As we did. He just phoned up. He go, son, <laughs> just say you'll come, and the deal's done. And I'm like, speak to Arthur. He went, I don't need to speak to Arthur. And I'm like, <laughs> like that. And it was like, 
he couldn't get rid of him. Once he got somewhere, he wanted someone. He wanted someone, didn't he? Yeah. But so yeah. Uh, like, <coughs> but he was interesting. Listen, fantastic manager, absolute legend in the game. Could I have gone to Forest? No. Do I think I could have played under him? I think there'd have for a bit, but I think there'd have been fallouts and all sorts. I mean, I just mm. so you know. And then it, it, obviously when when Liverpool came in and they offered. Which was a record fee for any defender worldwide at the time. Which was two point, was it two point two million? Two point two, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, you look at it and you go, well, I mean, and off you go. I mean, you, it was like you've got to go some got to further your career, and you've got to go and do that. We can't compete like they can. They've got chances of winning, winning things and competing in Europe and everything, but we're not there. So you've got to go on and do that now. And mm. and it, it was it was a sad day when I had to leave, but I, I had to leave. What was it like at Liverpool going into one of the biggest, obviously, they just had the back end. It was they had the, the whole of the eighties where they were dominant and one of the greatest sides in in world football at that time. Was it amazing to, to turn up there as a player? Well, the reason I went there was because to play with you know with people like um, it was Gary Gillespie was there, you know David Burrows and Marlon Whelan and, and Russian Beardsley and all, and all them bars on the wing, Houghton. But then when we got there, we got rid of them. I said I came mm. here because to play with them. And he started replacing everybody and bringing in, you know, Nigel Clough, Paul Stewart, them two to replace Whelan and McMahon, who had won everything. Mm-hmm. And you go, what? That's not being disrespectful to the to the players. It's just it's a matter of. And then John Barnes was put into central midfield for, for not being on the wing. And it just, I mean, it did need changing because the mm-hmm. players were getting old, but not that quickly. Not in one season for eighteen months. It was just ridiculous, and and it and it and it and it, and it cost them for for years because then to rebuild it becomes very very difficult. You know, we still won FA Cups and got to FA Cup finals and finished in the top top four, but it wasn't competing. There was only one year when Alex Ferguson said that we were the best side, and and we were to be fair, and we finished uh, fourth, but set, joint second on on on. Um, points, but on the goal difference, we finished fourth. That year, we should have won the league. Mm. It was one year, and that was the only year that I could turn around and say at the time I was there that we should have uh, beaten Man United to the league, and and we were better than them. But it just, you know, it just wasn't to be. We had a we had a goalkeeper in David James who didn't have a lot to do in games, and all of a sudden would come and drop a clanger, and the next thing you you get beat one 0 and then you draw the game one 0 when you think, what's going on? Mm. But you know. Could we have? Should we have won a league in that time? Yeah, but only one. If I'm being honest, should have got to more finals. We got to the semi-final of the of the, um, the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, got knocked out three-two by Paris Saint-Germain. When we could have won that. Mm. Um, so you know, it was it was good times, but you have to be a strong character to to, to go to Liverpool and, and survive. Mm. Dino didn't. Dino wasn't a strong character and 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 fell by the wayside and and, and he moved on. I think Dino liked to be a, a big fish in a small pond and be the main star. But when you go to Liverpool, there are no stars, you see. Mm-hmm. You've got to stand on your own two feet and be big and strong and at it. And that's how they won things. And I think it got to Dino a little bit. Whether he'd admit it or not is another thing. But, but in my opinion, that's that's what it was. That The pressure sometimes was a little bit too much for him. Does it take time to adapt when you go to a big club like that and you've got to ch- maybe change your mindset of what you are in the club you're at and how you've got to be at that club? No, uh, not, not for me. I've always been very strong-minded and um, I know what I want and whether I'm captain or not, I'm still going to have my say and I'm still going to have a voice and I'm still going to get on with it. So that was, it, it wasn't difficult for, for me. The dressing room was difficult. Um, the expectation levels are massive. Are massive when you come to a big club. You know, it's like uh, Solskjaer at Man United. He's, recently, he's handled himself very well, but you know, to get beat 5-0 by Liverpool, I'm surprised you didn't go after that game because it, it means that much. Mm. Um, when you go to, you know, to a club like Liverpool, you have to be, you have to be strong-minded, strong-willed. You have to be able to, if, you, if someone goes wrong, push it aside and get on with the next game. Um, but when we first went into the training sessions, it took a couple of weeks. And don't forget, we were, we were England players and Dino was Welsh player. And you're playing with all your top players. And you go there, the five sides were on a different level. Mm. It was ping, 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 ping. You go, what the hell is it? But within two weeks, then, I, then you adapt. 
But the, the first couple of weeks, you go, wow, what is all this about? This is just incredible. Um, and it was. I mean, the, the whole thing about Liverpool was, it wasn't, it's not, it's not, it's not a genius just to work it out. It's to do with, they all said, when you, if someone's running at you, don't back off, step forward and face them. You know, never back off, go after them and pass and move. Once you get it, pass it to someone you see and make an angle. Simple. But to actually get that into your mind, in people's mind, it's very difficult because people want to run with the ball. and they want to, yeah. but It was just like, get it, pass, move. But Alan Ball had already taught me that when I was at Southampton. Mm. So I was, I was accustomed to that, so it didn't matter to me. But a lot of people, like Dino, he'd like to drop his shoulder, have a little dribble, didn't he? Right. And they were forever having a go at him. Pass it and get, get it again. But he just didn't sink in with Dino. Dino's his own man, isn't he? <laughs> you know what Dino is. <laughs> you got back into the England squad in '96 in and then ended up with another injury that left you out. Do you think you'd have got into the Euro '96 squad bar, bar that injury? I was playing, yeah. yeah. I, was playing, well, I was playing before them all. Yeah. And that's not me being big headed. I know. Mm. Very Venables have told me, and that's probably the best coach, football coach that I've played under. Unbelievable. Wow. I'd love to have played him at, in, in, uh, at club level because mm. the training was so enjoyable, so hard, but it made you better. It was brilliant. Mm. But I would, yeah, I was in, I was in and playing. And, uh, and then I just, my knee ligament went and I went, I can't believe this. A stretch for a ball. It, and I went, I just, you know, you, you feel it go and you go, mm. I tried to carry on. I went, no. Done. <clears throat> I'm done and I missed it and I was absolutely and to this day I'm, I'm still gutted about it not as much as um, funny enough not as much obviously as, as the uh, as, as the World Cup losing the semi-final and losing the semi-final from the school side peers I mean that still hurts um, but you know I'd love to have I'd love to have played in this country uh, in front of our own fans because it would have been some side, and, and it was a big spectacle. So for me to miss it was um, it was heartbreaking again. But, but what can you do? You can't mm. do anything. If, you, if your knee goes, your knee goes. Yeah, we went very close that year, and obviously we got to ask about Italian IT. Do you still look back and think if things have been slightly different, they've gone on and won it? Whew. I mean, the other, the, when you look at it, uh, there was one there was one moment in the game, wasn't there, when when Chris Waddle uh, strikes the ball. And it hit the post. Now, if it goes a couple of inches to the left, it goes in. A couple of inches to the right, it bounces out and David Platt taps it in. But it hit it and went along the goal line. And we went, oh, my God, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the, I mean, that was the moment when you think it ain't for us. Mm. It's not for us. And um, would we have, I mean, we, we, we said that whoever won that game, Bobby Robson said, whoever wins this game wins the World Cup. And he was right. The Germans went on, went on to win it. Would we have done it? Yeah. Were we better than the Germans on that day? Yeah, we were. We lost on penalties. And, you know, you can't do anything about that. Very sad. You know, a very, very, um, it's a sad moment. I mean, there is, have I got a picture down there? I've got someone to look somewhere. I've got one. I have got one somewhere. Hold on. I haven't put it up yet. Oh, that's quality. Yeah. That's how many it took to mark you from a corner. <laughs> they were all over me then, weren't they? they, they they'd yeah. seen the goal I scored for Derby against Newcastle. That's what they've done. Yeah. Well, you scored, you'd scored previously in the tournament <laughs> against Egypt. What's that feeling like, scoring it against Egypt? Oh, oh. I mean, listen, it was just a ball put in and I saw the keeper coming and I just thought, I've just got to get my head on this. If I get my head on it, it's going past him. If I beat him to that ball, I know it. So I've just jumped as high as I could and it's only a, a touch. And, and then it went, you go... Well, there you go. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> but no. you know what? It's great. I mean, listen, we don't. I don't look at me as as a, as winning that game. No, we go in it as a team, and we come out as a team. Yeah. And, and that was with the penalties as well. I mean, it was just it's just one of those things. I was lucky enough to get on, on the end of that. Gary Lineker was good enough to score on the, in, you know in other games, but, mm. but the whole thing in the World Cup was a fantastic thing to be involved in. You, you, you can't beat that. You can't beat playing in a World Cup, being involved with putting yourself against the best in the world. And and, and we did in that, that tournament. And um, we just came up a little bit short. 
But the, our best game was against the Germans, and we go we go and get beat on pins, and it's it's sad. There's one other thing that people ask me to ask you about, and it's obviously probably something you get asked about a lot, and that's what Gaza was like when in the change room in a way. And it's obviously he's, he's an enigma, isn't he, Gaza, and a genius of a footballer and a and a funny character. A law unto himself, Gaza. <laughs> that's what he is. <coughs> Listen, you couldn't teach Gaza. Whatever Gaza had ability-wise was just a natural thing. It wasn't, yeah. you couldn't say, Gaza, when we're doing this and you've got to be there, he'd be like, <laughs> so we'd go, you just go and do that. We'll fill in. You go, we get it and give it him and just get on with it. Yeah. And, that was, and that's Gaza. I mean, he was just, certain days he's away with the fairies, other days he's so intense and then he's, he's he could never sit still. He was always playing tricks on people or, or doing something or, or messing about. He, he just couldn't sit still. And, and you know, as a, on a football field, that's him. He's hyper. He, give me the ball. I've got to get after him now. You, you know what? Brilliant to have. Um, brilliant to have, it, 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 you know, in and around you. But some of the things he got up to and some of the things he'd done was unbelievable. I mean, he'd drop sleeping tablets. He'd, he'd crush them all up and drop them in your pipe. And you wouldn't know about it. And you'd stir it all up. And then he'd just be sitting there watching, see how long. And then you'd fall asleep and it just... Come on, let's go then. And they'd leave you a fast asleep in a, in, a, <laughs> in a pub or in the snooker hall. They'd just leave you, he'd leave you there. But Gaza thought that was funny. It's dangerous, but it's, it's funny for him. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that you could talk about with Gaza. Um, you know, we could all write a book about Gaza, about the funny stories, the things <coughs> you know that he's done. Mm. It's, it's, it's incredible, but there's too many. There's, honestly, there's too many. Too many to mention. I mean, it, it's just. <laughs> hundreds of things that he's that he's done but you know what he never he never just didn't stop and I think sometimes when you get players like that mm. when you're in an intense tournament like the World Cup all of a sudden you know you know if, if some players are getting a little bit you know edgy in that and he's messing about you just start laughing again and you know whatever you do it was brilliant it was just, yeah. it just the whole group that group during the World Cup was a, a was an unbelievable group of characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was Peter Shilton who had captains. Stuart Pearce had. I had. Terry Butcher had. Paul Parker mm-hmm. had. Brian Robson had. Um, John Barnes had. Um, so you're talking about Gary Lineker as a captain. I mean, that's that's on the playing side. You only had probably two players in the whole, and that's in the team that played that weren't captains. That's that's how strong that unit was. Yeah. Um, no wonder we that we that we achieved because we all had an opinions and we were all after, but we were but we, but we were like that. We weren't mm. fragmented, thinking we were all better than each other. No, we had one captain, which was Brian Robson, and loved him, and he's probably the most complete player that I've had the privilege to play with. You know, I got to be honest. He had an engine. He was um, he could score goals with his left foot, his right foot. He was nasty. He could defend. He could, could attack. Great in the air. There's nothing you can say about Pop. Mm. I'm probably the best drinker I've ever known. In, in <laughs> Forget anybody else. I mean, listen, he'd drink everybody under the table. But he's a, a footballer. Couldn't couldn't question him. So when we had a, a captain like him, mm. it's fantastic. And then Terry Butcher, who would 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 punch the wall and then butt the door. So let's go kill him now before you go out. And he'd go, yes, Butch. And then, we're all doing the same thing, so it's all leading by examples. And and, and the, to be around that England group was listen. I've been lucky. I've been lucky. I loved. I've loved every moment of everywhere that I've been. The hardest by far was was Liverpool mm. because you've got to be on your metal every moment of every day. Mm. Was. What's next for you? What you're up to in the minute? And I was going to ask you because I know you were in management. Would a return to management ever be in the in the pipeline, or is that far too stressful? No, listen. I'd love to be in defense to get on the defensive side of things. Mm. I would. I think I probably would be interested in that. Would I like to manage? And I've done that. You know, I've won, I won the conference and and uh, and had chances to do a little bit more. And you know, to get the now is. It's twenty four seven. Everyone knows that. And unless you're a younger lad, you know, is it is it hard? You need good people around you. But I like to do get in the defensive side, and 
Um, yeah, I would. I think that would be good. Um, what else am I doing? I'm doing, I'm doing building, but I'm, I'm actually in a, a company, which is, this may sound really funny for everyone who go, oh, trust you, righty. You know, I've, I've been divorced, but when you get divorced, it's a hard, it's a hard state of affairs. You know, it, it affects you as a player. It affects uh, um, the wife, it affects the children, it affects everyone around you. And all the, all the, uh, um, the solicitors want to do is drag it on, don't they? Every letter costs you under a pound. They want it. They want to drag it on for six months and then go to three days at court, which costs you ridiculous amounts of money. But it's stress all the way through. Mm. So I've been involved in this company called uh, Fair Result, um, and what they do is they underwrite it. So say, say you're getting divorced, mm. you tell them all about your finances, and this is why it's unique because no one else is doing it. And 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 tell them all your finances. They work it all out. What they say is, is the right result. They say, right, that's it's good. for this, it's going to cost you X amount. Whether it takes three months or three years, that's the price. You won't mm. receive any more letters. We'll deal with it. You just get on with what you've got to get on with, which would have been a godsend to any of us. And, and in football, there's, there's, I think it's something like 80 or 90% of ex from people finish within three years, they're divorced. Wow. Which is, right, which is wow, yeah. So... I'm saying, well, we don't need that stress for the boys or the or the ladies' game as well. But mm. we're talking about can we help them? Yeah, we can. And and mm. if you complete, if they can get it sorted within, I think it's within within a month, it's fifty percent reduction. And if they can sort it within two or three months, it's twenty five percent reduction. So the quicker we sort it, the better it is for everybody. But there's no hassle, and it is honestly the the owners of the company. Um, they came up with me, and I'm I'm, I'm involved in it now to try and push it around and, and PR it and, and get it out there so that these sports people can, well, anyone, but really my my role is to try and get sports people involved, um, and it's unique because because a slitter's firm work on a, sli- uh, a third for wages, a third for premises, and a third profit. Well, we're saying forget all that. You just pay us at the end, however long it takes. Not bothered. That's our fee, but only at the end when everything's sorted. So don't worry about having to write a check out here and there and everything because it's not worth it. Doesn't, don't, don't need it. But when they told me about it, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So I'm really pushing that at the moment. So around the Derby area, anyone needs it, fair result, mm. then get, get onto me quickly. And it's not a, it's not a gimmick. It's, we're going mm. to the PFA with it. We're going to the uh, England, the, uh, the RFU. We're going to go to um, the, the, the trainers and jockeys and all them in, in horse racing, tenant. We're going to go to all sports people. Um, but it's for anybody, and it's really uh, all I can say is, is if it had been around when I when I was getting divorced, would have would have saved everything, would have saved a lot, not only monetary wise, but for the children and the family wise. It affects the grandparents and everybody. So if they can just go, there it is, it's done and dusted. Let's do it. Great, that's the way to do it, and it's a, it's a, it's unique. That's why it's brilliant, and that's why it's going really well. Mm. I know a few of the boys listen and uh, obviously a big listenership in Derby so if anyone wants to it's a fair result isn't it so have a look at well, that fair on, result, yeah. yeah they can just google it it's absolutely brilliant I, I, I can promise you it's um, and it's not a it's not going to be a fad it's not going to be a little gimmicky thing to do it's proper proper solicitors that are on board um, high flying solicitors um, and the people who run it they just they just back it all Um and it's, it, it, it just takes away the nonsense, you know. And, mm. you know, the one thing that, that, that really winds me up every day is, is, is about when I went through it. When I got divorced, the, the, my ex-wife's sister, first half was coming in whatever car it was. And when she came to the final hearing, she's driving in in a, in a great big Mercedes. And I went, I mm. bought it. Mm. And you know what? You do. They will drag it out for as long as they can. To get it completed for the family and for you as the person that's getting divorced is the most beneficial and best way because then you can just get on with your life and it's easy and you're not wasting anything. Mm. Anyway, that's another brilliant. One. That's a that's a long-winded one, isn't it? No, you got you. But it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. I believe in me. Proof's in the pudding. No, brilliant. If you know, if anyone's interested, obviously go and look it up. And it sounds I'm going to have a look. Not that I'm going to get divorced anytime soon. You don't have to get married first, but uh, I'm going to have a look into it. But if you might know someone who is getting divorced, yeah. and they look at it, and then they, they turn around and they go, "Well, okay, well, yeah, it yeah. is a good, yeah, yeah, it's a great shout." 
But it is. But listen, we should sort that thing out about um, the ex-players for that team that finished fifth. That would be brilliant. I'd, I'd love that. Brilliant. We'll sort that 100% because I've organised a few recently. So we hopefully we can work in, do something together and yeah. um, make that work. Um, before and then you I go, can tell a few more. I'll tell, I'll tell you the real Putney story and I'll tell you the uh, some Gazza <laughs> and Bobby Robson stories as well. Yes, that, that, that's a little teaser. Right? We'll do that then now. Brilliant. Teaser, um, yeah. Before you go, um, yeah. a few, few people have asked for this. And I think it's a nice way to end. Um, what's your favourite Arthur story? Arthur Cox. Oh, do you know what? There's loads, gee whiz. Um, do you know what? Do you know what? <coughs> I want to tell you, there's a couple, right? Um, I remember coming off and I'd, 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 my ankle had gone over. My ankle had gone over. It was black and blue and Gordon was was um, uh, taking my boot off and he was going, oh, Jesus, I wanted to do that. I went, strap it and just get me back out of there. Then Arthur came in and he went, and he, he came over to he looked at and he said, What's going on here, Gordy? And he went, oh, his, his, his ankle's oh, it's double the size. It's, it's, it's swelling all the time. And he went, ah, he just he said something like, um, he's just a big softy. Ah, he's a big softy. Because he knew that if you said sort of things like that to me, I'd be, yeah. I had me boot. And I loved it at Arthur. And I went, fuck off, bit of softy like that. Well, then the next thing, <laughs> Gordon came over like that. And he went, he went like this. He rolled up his sleeves and he went, Gordon, Shut that bloody door. <laughs> I'm going to sort him out. And I went, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Arthur. I'm six foot three. Yeah, and Arthur's only five foot whatever he is like that. I went, I'm sorry, Gaffer. I'm sorry, lad. Not because I was worried about getting a veteran because it, it was not going to happen. But I just realised <laughs> and he went, but it was the way it made me. Gordon, and, Arthur, and Gordon's going around like this. He's going, Gaffer. Gaffer, you stay there. You stay there. And he was like, he was in between like that. And I thought, and it was just, it was just hilarious. I mean, you know, there were so many of those things. And with Arthur, you know, obviously me and Ted had always been, you know, we were always going out. And um, yeah, the terrible twins, I think we were there. And, and then on a Monday morning, Arthur, oh, you come in, you'd come in and all you'd hear, as, you, as soon as you stepped through the door, someone must have alerted him that we were coming in. And he'd go and he went, Captain, office now. <laughs> McMinn, you wait five and then come down, please. And I'll be going, oh, what are we doing again now? It was like, you never have any money. And do you know what? Arthur treated you as a man and mm -hmm. and, and, and respected you. And, 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 and there's nothing, like I said before, there was nothing, nothing I would do for, for Arthur Cox. Nothing in this world. I wouldn't say that about too many people, but but for certainly for him, without question, always respected him, always loved him, always will. And I think um, I think a lot most people who played under him understand that and, and mm. have the same feeling as I do. But was he was he funny? Yeah, he he was he was very funny, very at it, very honest, very straightforward, straight laced, and went after it, and he. Always trying to put me and Ted McMinn in our place, and he got me back in the England side. Really, Arthur mm. made me captain. I was um, I was a little scallywag at times. Um, well, not little, big scallywag, I suppose. But as in, you know, drinking with um, I had some great friends down there. A lad called Paul Groom, who who, who ran the um, the crew in Harper Pub. Yeah, and he uh, he was one of my best mates ever. And he passed away, and so it was very, you know, it was very sad. But he always knew that I was out with Groovy somewhere doing something. You know, there's nothing that Arthur didn't know. Um, and on the night, I'll tell you that because people have asked me about the, uh, which I can't do on air for everybody, but I can do in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a room with a Q and A going on. Yeah. About when I, when we got chased by the police. Mm. <laughs> We were, uh, we were naughty before, I tell you now, you know, just for, for, for drinking and we're not proud of it. But hey, you know what? But Arthur changed my whole outlook on, on, on so many things. And um, and I owe him a lot. And hopefully, hopefully, um, Ted and I were going to um, gonna meet up and go down the road and, and meet him and take him out, uh, out, for, out for lunch. And he said to, I said, so we'll take you out for lunch. He went, I don't need you to take me out for lunch, son. I'll buy for you. And he went, no. We're buying for you, and he went. Well, we'll see about that when you come down. And it's like, <laughs> it's 
just Arthur. He just he's so there's not enough. I at this right now at this moment in time, I wouldn't say that I would have the words in me to describe how much certain how much we all feel about him. Mm. That's why that you know it, it'd be it'd be difficult to explain. But he changed my life in a big way. Uh, still does. And, and always has and always and always will be like I said before I just don't think we can do for him Righty I hope you can oh sorry that's a bit forward of me but Mark I hope No Righty people call me yeah Righty uh, it's been absolutely amazing mate um, thank you so much for your time and hopefully fingers crossed well you're in Derby in a few weeks anyway but we'll we'll get our own little thing going in the new year at some point 100% we should, we should do something anything I can ever do for you if you want me to come back on and tell us, tell a few more stories than, than, than the Derby supporters want me to then I will do Brilliant. Part two. We'll have a part two sometime then. Pleasure. Take care, mate. Really appreciate it. Take care, mate. Bye. 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 Bye.